listening, faithful boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. With us this week, we are joined by the one and only Dan Smeltz, Craving Wild host, cook extraordinaire. This was a great conversation for me, and I really think most of you will enjoy this. Dan and I cover trail cams, some tips for setting up and what to look for when you're setting them up. We also talk about ticks and what ticks can cause in Lyme disease. And Dan, unfortunately, was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And we talk about the struggles and the flare-ups that come with Lyme disease and the shit that he had to go through, including a career change whenever he had Lyme disease. So, you know, this is just kind of one of them episodes that will shine a spotlight on something that's probably not talked about enough within our community. And, and I know that I get ticks on me and I just kind of brush them off and and maybe pull one or two out a year or whatever the case may be but the thing is guys we should really be protecting ourselves. and uh, one great place to start is products like Sawyer makes uh, with the Promethean and and that can really help tucking in your uh, your shirt tail and maybe tucking in your uh, your pant legs into your boots or I've seen people use tape Uh, they make those they're like Velcro straps that you can put around the base of your boots too. There's just a couple things that we can try to do to, to protect ourselves out there, and it's definitely something that you guys should look into. Uh, we also cover some bow repetition, how to keep yourself warm, if you will, and, and keep the, the cold shots or try to get your adrenaline pump them and try to mimic that moment, which is impossible to mimic, but at least try your best to get yourself in the best position in the best training possible for a great shot. Also, go into talking about some food. Dan is really into cooking wild game. I'm really into cooking wild game. <laughs> great conversation for that. And uh, there's some changes we'd like to see in our states along with some great things that we feel that we do. Guys, you know the drill. Go over, comment, subscribe, like on the Apple and Spotify apps. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again. All my listening faithful, I got Mr. Dan Smeltz on here, Craving Wild podcast and page. Guys should definitely check out everything they're doing over there. They got some some pretty cool stuff going on. And uh, we, me and Dan have been talking for a little while and trying to trying to get together and and make something happen uh, in person. But you know, down the road, I think I think that we're definitely going to be able to make it happen. But the schedules have been have been tough as as for everybody else, I'm sure. But uh, Dan and I have probably been talking here. I don't know. <laughs> wow. <probably> good. <laughs> wow. And uh, we were having a little no holds bar, and we decided that going into this one, yeah, we're probably gonna keep it that way, and uh, we're there's, we're not really gonna sugarcoat anything here. And uh, a couple things that we want to talk about and go over, and and we might get a little rowdy here. And I'm sure this is gonna be good listening for a lot of people. But Dan, before we we start chopping it up and get into it, man, go ahead and do a little introduction for yourself, who you are, and and what you got going on. So yeah, Dan Smeltz, uh, I run Craving Wild, and then we have, like you said, the Craving Wild podcast, which are kind of two separate entities, um, but it's kind of the same group of guys. It actually, it's funny, because we, we had like no plans on doing a podcast, but we quickly realized that that was probably one of the, the easier and more realistic ways to get content out while we're trying to do this whole, you know, the, the sure. Craving Wild main page thing. Um, but yeah, other than that, just pretty much doing that, that takes up all of my time other than work, <laughs> <laughs> I understand. for the most part. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it is definitely a lot of behind the scenes shit that people don't see when we do this stuff. And like we were talking before we come on that we were like, man, we, we really wish we could just <laughs> extort somebody to do this for us. I've thought about it already. Like episode three, I'm like, man, I gotta. How much is it to? <laughs> and then you, you start hashing out. You're like, okay, never mind. Just you know, right. quit whining and yeah. get to work. For sure, man. Yeah, doing the hard shit is why we do it, and it's rewarding. And I like seeing the product that we put out after it's done. And absolutely, it's it's, it's worth it, man. I, I enjoy listening to everybody else's show, especially yours. And uh, like you were saying, you know, I always have it on in the background if I'm doing something and and listening in and catch little snippets and stuff. And um, it's good. I'm excited, and it's summertime. So, what what do you have going on in the summer? What have you been up to this summer, heading into um, what which we're going to be getting ready for is deer season? Yeah. So for for me, it's mostly trail cameras. Like I'm trying to get. I'm super far behind on trail cameras because of obviously all this stuff we just talked about earlier. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's cameras, 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 scouting. Uh, if I can get out and watch fields, I'll get out and watch fields. Uh, but mainly, yeah, just get out and start getting them cameras running. I'll start running. I run like 60 uh, trail cams, so it takes me a little bit to get out. I like to do them in batches so that like every weekend I can go. I got something to do. Kind of takes away that um, that uh, internal, I got to check these cameras out of you when you constantly have one to go to. You don't got to really worry about checking one every, you know, every week. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Getting the bows to I'm a big bow. Like I love shooting my bow. I shoot a lot. Um, so we're shooting 3d tournaments shooting 3ds um you know just tinkering playing with stuff trying different stuff and that's pretty much it and trying to stay out of the heat as much as possible yes which did not work yes yesterday it was like nine i don't know about you but that was awesome. yeah low 90s like 1000 percent humidity and i got the bright idea to climb a mountain with like 40 pound pack on didn't go well yeah, you know, and that's that's what sucks because like you you train and that shit uh, trying to do something like that, and then fall comes around and it just the weather couldn't be better. Yeah, you know, and you, you don't even have that element. But yeah, I I understand exactly where you're coming from with with the camera thing, and I call getting a fix really because right it, the dopamine release from getting the freaking trail camera out of the woods for me for me at least is. It's awesome. That's like one of the best. <laughs> that's one of the best feelings in the world, especially when you're you know you're scrolling through, or if you see all them small little pictures pop up. Yep. Before you get to click on them, and you see that one. Yep. You can see it, but you don't click on it right away. You're like, no, no, I have to let the suspense <laughs> build. I have to work my way up to that and 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 see that deer. But yeah, that's that's exciting, man. I, I, I have been, um, you know, same. I haven't got all my cameras out yet, but you say you run like upwards of like sixty cameras. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it fluctuates like you know, probably by five because they're constantly dying. I'm buying new ones. Ones are on sale. And I started running cameras in 2012, so I just kind of consistently bought, you know, five cameras, six cameras a year. Right. And then it kind of just, next thing you know, you got two, you know, totes full of cameras and bat- batteries and lock, Python locks. And I got enough yeah. SD cards I could probably start a Staples. You know, I probably got more than they got in <laughs> stock. That's funny. But do you do you have a problem with people trying to, trying to pick them, trying to steal them? I've had uh, two cameras stolen about seven years ago other than that i haven't had any problems uh i hang all my cameras high like all my cameras are 12 13 foot especially on public land uh private i don't they're you know normal four or five foot off the ground every now and then i do run them higher because i just think the deer don't you know it doesn't phase them as much i agree but um you know if i'm trying to cover more ground i'll 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 hang it a little lower just to kind of cover a little bit more area but yeah, no, I haven't had, uh, knock on wood, I haven't had any problems recently, but I think it's just due to the fact that they're 12, 13 foot in the air. I run a, 
like I'll, I'll bring a, a stick with me with an aider and then I'll just I'm on the top and I'm six foot two so if I reach up you know I'm very, 10 foot easy I can get yeah yeah you're you got a lot of altitude up there I see I'm only five six so we breathe all right down here I don't know what the air is <laughs> like up here. It's, it's it's thin especially right now <laughs> um so when you hang them though you know you you say you're hanging them high do you h- how do you get the angle what do you use to get that angle do you just you know you find the old stick trick or a rock or something and, yeah. and then whenever you do attach them to the tree what do you use do you use the stock band do you use wire do you use paracord what do you got going on so i do what everybody who owns cameras says not to do and put a stick behind it i just you know find the biggest stick i can if i can find a tree where, like where there's a limb low and i can get to it i'll actually hang it like on that the crease of where the limb comes out Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, it sucks because you're walking around looking for a stick, and you're in the back of your head. You're like, I really shouldn't be walking around this much, you know, getting sent everywhere. But I try to right. put my cameras out like right before a rainstorm, and I know there's mixed emotions on whether or not that actually works. Because um, a lot of, especially the older guys, I, they believe that 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 moisture actually makes it easier for the deer to smell you after rain, depending on how hard it rains, obviously. So I I. Yeah, I, I, I know there's mixed emotions on that, but I would tell you, I think that, like, okay, so, yeah, storing the rain, yes, I would agree with that. Well, it's still wet, mm-hmm. but I think once that dries up, I think the scent, you know, dissipates a little bit. But you know who the right people to ask for that are dog guys. They'll tell you. They'll tell you the truth. I mean, they'll Yeah, tell you. absolutely. I'm with um, you. Like, I, I just prefer to do it um, if I can. Yeah, it's less noise, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Um, as far as hanging the cameras, I run paracord and I do it a little different than some people. I think is I take the inside out of the paracord. Um, so I'll sit, you know, in the, in the wintertime, I'm, you know, I'll cut them all to, I do like two arm lengths, um, cut them, pull the insides out. And then I just put a little loop on one end and then I stick like when I'm hanging the camera, I'll, you know, make a loop, like a cinch loop with that loop itself. And then the tag end, I run through that, so it just kind of cinches on itself. And you can cinch that baby, like, as tight as you want. And then mm-hmm. get, you know, lean it forward and have that stick in the back, and, and you're good to go. And then when you get there, if you leave it there all summer, you got to cut the loop, but it's no big deal. You're only losing, like, you know, four inches, five inches. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're moving cameras, you know, every two, three weeks, uh, you, you can just go up to it and pull on it hard enough, and it'll, you know, it's a slip knot, essentially. So I use, and I run a trucker hitch, and I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. I'm, I'm terrible with knots. So if you, if you want to see something maybe different that might help you, like that way you're running it, yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're saying, and yeah, that would definitely work. But check out a trucker hitch. It's real similar to what you're doing. So um, you could run, say you, say you had two eyelets already on the back of your camera. Mm-hmm. You would run your paracord through it on, on you know both ends, so you would hold – everything out away from you like this and then on one side you would have your loop mm-hmm. you would have like a d loop tied on one side you would run that one side through there and then on the back side coming back through you run a trucker hitch and you you would have to look it up it's hard for me to explain exactly what it is without you know doing a trucker hitch in front of you here. right but then basically you, you you tie that to itself right so now you have what's wrapped around the tree and then you're going to tie that to the back of what's wrapped around the tree okay and then you just pull, and as you pull it, you, know, you want to leave enough, you know, that you it's going to pull tight when you do it. You pull, you pull everything out nice and tight. You, you know, you have that cinch where you want it, and then you pull it, and then it, it will, it will just hold. It will, it will not let it okay. go out any further. I wonder if that's. It, go ahead. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, you're, you're, what you're telling me is kind of similar to what I'm thinking, but at the same time, if you if you pull a trucker hitch, 
it shouldn't just come off. You you should have to pull right one loop out and then it should pull. So okay, it's probably a little bit different. There's so many knots. It's that, insane. Yeah, man, it's it is insane. But there's a lot of different like trades and stuff. Like I know some tradesmen that are linemen, some longshoremen. Like they 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 um, got it figured out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. They, yeah, I just it just worked one day. I, I did it with that loop, and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna run it like this until I find something better, which it sounds like I might have. My buddy runs a knot. It sounds very similar to that for um, a hammock, for, like, hanging his hammock. Maybe That's what he uses. Yeah, okay, so yeah. I'll just have to bug him. Yeah, that that would work really well for that. Okay. Um, like hanging a clothesline in the woods or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be really good for that. We do that in Delaware, um, actually. We'll have a clothesline because it's so hot. We start off the year, and I'll bring down, like, three or four different change of clothes, and we just have this, you know, we rent a campsite. And we'll just have a clothesline through camp, and everybody's got their clothes just trying to, you know, dry out a little bit before the hunt. Yeah. That's not the best hunting. <laughs> that's not the best hunting environment. You know what? That's Sucks. where Merino, Merino wool comes in real well, though, you know. Yeah. Um, that shit dries really quickly, and plus it doesn't stink like ass after the first day of you. Yeah. I switch pretty around. much to everything Merino. I do have some, uh, like, poly stuff, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I went to all like the Kuyu. They just came out with that line last year. It was like a 110 or 120. It's super, super lightweight merino. And it's yeah, great. That stuff's pretty amazing the way it, it works really well. It does. I have some like old school wool shit that I, I wear in the wintertime. Like I have a, a real heavy old, um, uh, who makes it? A wool rich pullover. Mm-hmm. And it's just brown. It's just a solid. And it's got like three buttons in the front. Oh, you know? yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I use that all the time, man. Just solids. Uh, and like I do have like Sika, most of my stuff Sika stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my my buddy, he you know he's cahoots with them, and um, I, I I've been lucky enough to to have that stuff at a at a very good value. And but um, it's nice stuff and uh, all that. But I I think solids are just as good. To be honest, I don't. Same. I, I, that's that's just me being honest, man. Solids are great. Uh, you know, and I know they make solids, so you know, shout out to them or shout out to whoever that makes good solids. But um, the old, the, like the old Woolrich stuff, is wonderful, man. It's it's really overlooked. You can go right to Salvation Army or Goodwill or whatever, and mm-hmm. you can get yourself some some really nice stuff. To be honest, now as far as like leggings, yeah, I would spend a little bit of money and buy like the merino leggings mm-hmm. to wear under whatever you're you're wearing, and you should be good. Don't get me wrong. There's days that are super cold, but. Um, <laughs> I have that I have that fanatic setup and I'll be honest, like for the most part it's kinda like overkill. Here Too much. PA. Yeah. It's heavy to pack into. Um so it's what I what I will normally do, like if it is really cold, is I'll just take the bibs, mm-hmm. wear the bibs and then I'll just wear uh they have the uh I'm trying to think of the name of it. Uh oh uh, I whatever the windproof jacket is, I can't think of a name of it right now, but and that's usually more than sufficient, as long as I cover my head with something, but um, yeah, solids work real well, but I want to go back to talking about the trail cameras real quick. So one thing I was just talking to somebody online the other day about this. So I will cut V's out of P- out of wood with my miter saw, mm-hmm. right? So just little, just little angled pieces of wood and fill up my backpack with just as many. And they're not that heavy, you know, it, it's probably actually lighter than like picking up a big stick or shoving it in there or whatever. And you can shove them in there. What I've also have done is bought those, uh, polymer or like poly rubber uh, plastic whatever you can get like the door wedges Mm -hmm. you can get like a 20 pack of them on amazon 
pretty cheap. No kidding. And like, yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like you see them at play at like a, a, a hall or whatever all the time, and they they jam them on underneath the door. Like, yeah. and you could just stick them in behind your cameras, and it has them facing down. That way, you don't have to worry about like Looking. stick falling out. That's or a anything. great idea. And they're super. They're super light, you know what I mean? I was, he was like, dude, you got to do a video on them. And I'm like, man, I, I can't be putting all my tricks out there like yeah. everybody be doing them. <laughs> but, I, I might steal that one because we got a bajillion of them at work. Yeah, man. See, you should definitely, yeah, you know, God God bless work because they just, no one, no door will ever <laughs> yeah. be propped open again. Why do we keep buying door wedges? <laughs> I, I don't know. They just disappear. It's the contractors. Yeah, they're getting, yeah. <laughs> They got legs here, man. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. So yeah, I um, I, th- I thought of that one day. I seen that, and I was like, I wonder if you can get a bunch of them cheap. And yeah, you you can. That's that's something to get lost a lot. So they they sell them pretty cheap. You can get like the rubberized ones that are kind of tougher, mm-hmm. or you can get like the, just the plastic ones that are junk, but they still they work they work really well. But um, but yeah. So we talked about the knots on there. We talked about uh, wedging them up. I do I do agree with you. One thing you said though is. I have run into where I've gotten a picture of a very nice buck on public land and they're looking right at the camera when you get that picture. And sure, it's a great picture, mm-hmm. but it's almost like that's the last picture you'll ever get of them. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I just got a giant deer for my area on camera on private and mm-hmm. I hung the camera low and he stared at it. I haven't got him since. Yeah. And I'm a that's little funny, man. <laughs> I'll send you, you a know picture of him. I, you know what you can do and what you should try to do is turn your camera. Just left or right, 90 degrees. Because I did that, and I caught the same deer moving through twice. Really? Mm-hmm. It's like he was skirting the camera. Uh, yeah, I believe it. This was over a mineral bed, so I'm sure he's just skirting it. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm positive that he's skirting it then. Yeah, that that's funny how that, how that works. But, yeah, especially here on the public, you know, like our deer, man, I swear to God, like, especially when I was living out. I lived out in Pittsburgh for a little while. And, okay. Um, I would – there's – I don't want to drop the name of it, but there's only one game lands, actual game lands in Allegheny County that I've seen. I seen. I could be wrong. Maybe there's more than one, but only, I only seen one on there. Hmm. So I was hunting that, that portion of land, and um, I caught a picture of a giant deer. And I actually got – the deer got killed, and it was on the PA Whitetail. They, you know, they post all the – it was on there. Oh, no kidding. I've seen it, and I knew where it come from because oh. I said, I have pictures of that deer. Um, so I reached out to the guy, sent him pictures. I said, dude, I, I was on that deer. I have daylight pictures of that deer. And he told me where he shot it. And I was not too, too far from, from where that deer got shot. Um, but uh, brings me back to what I was saying. Uh, the pressure. I had a doe come walking up through the woods in, in, in that. And I was, I mean, I was really secluded. I was right off the side of a clear cut. She was coming up from the transition. And she was with two other smaller does. I don't know if they were hers or not. More than likely they were. They, didn't, they weren't yearlings, though. Um, and they were walking up. And she was a big old nanny. And I'm thinking, boy, that's freezer meat right there. And she's walking up right along the transition. And I'm, I got great backdrop. Wind's in my favor. Thermals are pulling down the hill. I'm, I'm golden, you know. And I'm telling you, I was watching her. She's watching her, walking around looking like this. And I'm like, I'm going to get burnt. She's going to see me. Somehow she's going to see me. And she did. She seen. I know what she's seen. She looked. And my straps weren't hanging. I had my straps on, and then I had them wrapped around the back of the sticks. Mm-hmm. You know. But I'm telling you, she looked right at that stick, and she went right up the, right up the tree. And oh, yeah. Me. Yep. Yep. That's happened to me. Yep. It seems like at least once a year that happens, where they just pick yeah. something out, mostly your sticks, and just look right up at you. Boy, that's a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> that's a hammer. <laughs> That's actually the biggest deer I've ever gotten. I've hunted that piece of private for 15 years probably, and that's 
by far the biggest deer. I think I know what deer that is, but it's. I thought he was dead because I didn't see him at all last year. And the year before that, we had a buck that had um, uh, like, I don't know, three-inch tine coming out between his G2 and G3. And uh, it just, you know, that you don't see that every day out here. So yeah, I was like, okay. That's yeah, probably yeah, it's probably. It, it, yeah, it looks like it's got points coming out everywhere. <laughs> that palmation's awesome. Right? But yeah, the picture, cool. uh, the right after that, he's staring just directly at the camera. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I seen that. And I was like, oh, no. And I uh, haven't seen him since. But what do you think that what do you think the age is on that deer? So I think he was two and a half when I first got him, three and a half. So that would put him at four and a half. Yeah, I would yeah. I would agree one hundred percent. Yeah. because he, he's still pretty he's pretty lean. Like Yeah, he looks like very athletic. Mm-hmm. Very much his so. He's not really hanging, he doesn't have too much of a kind of a straight back. Yeah. Sweet. That's an awesome deer, man. I hope you I hope you get a crack at it. Yeah, I hope so. I'm kinda I went into the like I was starting this year just going, I'm just gonna, you know, first come, first serve, I was calling it. Like first buck that comes, we're done. We're going on to the next state. First, you, know, you just keep doing that. And then it, of bro. course I have this, you know, tr- trail cam coming. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Not gonna Dude, pay I'm attention. I'm telling you, if if I if you would ask me for my opinion on that, I would smoke the first one that I'm happy with coming through mm-hmm. and I would be I would move right on to the next state. I yep. would not because I know how you get caught up in trail cameras, man, and I've mm-hmm. done it too many times in my life, honest to God. And I actually burnt myself two years ago. I had pictures that I, I was just fixated on. I'm like, I, this deer is here all the time. I need to go here. And I did, and it, I, I made a mistake. I should have been at the other place mm-hmm. because the sign that was in that spot after I went back there, right around where I was hunting, that, that other deer was there. You know, I, I had a camera in there, but... I don't believe, you know, just because you have a camera there doesn't mean that that deer wouldn't be winding you at that moment or wouldn't be the wrong wind or whatever. Because I know some guys are like, oh, I got pictures of that deer when I was hunting this other spot. Well, yeah. that don't mean nothing. You, no, it that doesn't. deer might have known you were there, or that doesn't mean it wasn't in the area. Yeah, that's that's for sure. But yeah, I don't. Trail cameras is a hate, a love and hate relationship, man. It, it, it is. can it can ruin a hunt. My only problem that I have with trail cameras is like someone comes to you and they're like i want to start deer hunting and it's like this cookie cutter thing that's like well the first thing you need to do is get a trail cam yep. <laughs> yep and like that fucks the woodsmanship up because you don't like how are you going to learn anything about your woodsmanship if you're just going to post you know put all these cameras out and then you're going to decide oh well i'm getting pictures of deer here like i'm just going to go hunt there yeah you know what i'm saying and that's where i feel like we've we've lost a lot of a lot of of people within this realm of of trail cameras and i like to use them don't get me wrong because it's like christmas morning they're fun said when you go yeah they're fun they're fun they're there's two ways to use a camera they're a toll or they're just a hobby Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and i do have two cameras that i use where i'll put them on like a creek crossing right or you just see what's like a log crossing like what's coming across there because it's cool Mm -hmm. and then like the one i put in my backyard like yeah i do hunt my backyard but i just like to see what's moving around back there Oh, yeah. I would say probably 10% of my cameras out are just, I'll probably touch them once a year, and they're just out Mm -hmm. just to get photos. Like, I mean, obviously, if if I check them and there's a giant there, I'll be like, okay, we got to, you know, play around here a little bit. But, yeah, for the most part, I mean, it's nearly impossible to keep track of 60 cameras, even 50, 40, 30 cameras. It's hard to kind of keep tabs on all them at one time. But, you know, for for me, it's like I got a, a, a cluster, we'll just say 10 cameras. And I'll, they'll be in some place that I really want to be hunting. And then I'll have the rest of the cameras out for, like, next year, the, you know, you know, making that plan, like, the B plan, your C plan, the D plan, like, just so you have something to go to, and, you know, if you're, you're plan A. Like, obviously, that deer right now is plan A for me and PA. Um, 
if he gets killed, gets shot, gets hit by a car, what it just disappears, which is probably what's going to happen. Um, you know, I want to be able to. Okay, I got another cluster of cameras over here. You know, an hour north. That okay, I got, I know there's good deer there. I'm going to go there and just hunt a spot instead of trying to hunt a specific deer, um, which is something I've been trying to kill like specific deer in the last couple of years. And it just kind of burnt me out. I just want to get back to, just, like you said, wood, woodsmanship. Just finding a good spot where deer are just traveling and just first come, first serve. Just shoot, just shoot it. If it's legal, just shoot it. Who cares? Dude, I think that that's always more fun, to be honest. I, I know, oh, like, sure. yeah, that's it's great to shoot a deer that you're actually after and, like, you know, like, target a deer. But I'll be honest, like, from what I've seen in the guys that I talk to that are very good at it, like, if them guys don't smoke those deer in early season, I, it's tough. It's, yeah, it's the games, you know, the tables have changed. Unless, you know, they don't hunt that deer in early season and they're still kind of standing back watching and waiting, watching and waiting. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they they push in, you know, in the middle of November or like just going in or, you know, right on a scrape in, in, in late October or whatever. Now, I know here where I'm at, I seem to always go away like to another state whenever it's like good <laughs> I feel like yeah. it's hottest. <laughs> or it comes back around and circles back around to where it's the last week that we have here so it'll be like that saturday mm-hmm. it'll be the last saturday up to what is now like the last friday mm-hmm. i feel like is where i always get a lot of really good pictures and that's why a lot of guys are always pissed off and always like that's bullshit you know because they want to hunt that saturday and sunday of that last week mm-hmm. and i I have to attest with them. I, I, yeah, I know. Yes, I agree with you that that Sunday through that Sunday, I think that there would be a lot of good bucks killed, you know, but you have so many guys that are like, oh, I'll kill all the deer. And it's like, no, no, <laughs> no, they won't. I promise. Like, no, no, they won't. They won't kill all the deer. These deer are alive all year and they live to be four or five years old because they know where to go mm-hmm. and they're good at it. And that's not going to change anything. Are you, and, and you're talking about that first break we get like the, in November. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because when you first said that, like the first thing that went to my head was late season. Um, because I, I actually killed a buck at the time. It was like January. It was like the year before they gave us that extra week in the second season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, like, I love hunting that. Like absolutely love hunting that. And it seems like, you know, it just takes a little bit of time for them deer to get back to, you know, their normal patterns and stuff. And especially if we have a cold, like last year sucked because we didn't have a cold winter. Well, we had a, yep. like a week of cold, but that was about it. Right. Uh, during hunt yep. season, it just wasn't, it wasn't cold. And like the year that I killed that buck, it was six degrees outside with a 10, 15 mile an hour wind. And I had, <clears throat> excuse me, I had four or five does come out into a field. No, this is private. Um, we'll keep that in mind too. Mm-hmm. Um, four or five does come out into a overgrown CRP food plot. Like it, we planted a food plot ten years ago, and we haven't done shit with it since. It's just overgrown nonsense. Um, they came out into the field, and a spike came out, pushing them around, and it just like they just got progressively bigger, to, like to a four point, and then I had, like a little basket six, and the next thing you know, like this just giant PA giant I call it, it's like a uh, one twenty, one thirty eight pointer, uh, came out, and I ended up I, I shot him, but it was it was like I was so cold. Just waiting because I had everything. I was just like, you know, looking like the Michelin man right in this tree. <laughs> right. And I seen that like the first deer came out. So I started like taking layers off so I could draw my bow back. And I just remember like my hands were so cold. I was holding on to a metal release. Um, mm-hmm. And that was like one of the main things. I was like, man, there's like not a lot of people out here doing this. And this, I think that's what the deer get used to. Like there's nobody in the woods when it's six degrees outside in, you know, that second week of January, first week of January. So I think that's a very overlooked, uh, time of the year and you know what i want to circle back to is this deer 
it seems like the deer that I get that are like now in summertime that disappear, I'll start seeing them funneling back come, you know, uh, Christmas and on and on. It seems like all of a sudden I start seeing more bucks that I haven't seen or like new bucks I haven't seen. So I, I try and keep that in mind too. Like chase this deer around a little bit first couple weeks of October. And then after that, like, you know, I'm going, I'm going somewhere else. Yep. Well, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And yeah, it, they, the pressure just changes the habitat so much. Oh like yeah. It's, it is insane. And, and those, you know, they all, we always talk about like overlooked spots mm-hmm. and that is, I mean, that's where we, that's where like during rifle season, if we push something or put a drive on, and we set up on these overlooked spots. That's where the biggest bucks that we kill come out of every every single time. Oh, for sure. And it's usually, you know, when we put a drive on, and I know a lot of guys listen to this because I, some guys always hit me up. They're like, "Oh, that driving, that's bullshit." I I get it. Like, whatever. Yeah, but it's Teaches legal. It's legal. Get over it. <laughs> it's legal. Sorry. Right. Exactly. So, like, if we set up, say we had eight guys, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we had a guy here, a guy here, a guy here, and we're all on a line. And uh, you know, the wind's blowing at those guys or. Yeah, at at those guys, mm-hmm. you know what we would like to do is is set up to where we're gonna wind check the deer first. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So we're gonna be downwind of the deer. We'll set up. Wind's gonna catch us more than likely. As soon as they hear that first crack or snap coming into the thicket, they're gonna get up. Mm-hmm. You know, but the guys that we have that usually shoot the buck are the flankers. So not the guys that are gonna kill the deer that coming straight out. Mm-hmm. You know, or or on an, on a slated angle. You know, waiting for them to get that safe shot. But the guys that are, you know, here on the ends mm-hmm. where the deer come to circle and Jay hook back. Because mm-hmm. you know, they, they Absolutely. just, they do. They do all the time. And, yeah, those guys usually, those are the guys who usually shoot the bucks. Oh, for sure. I've seen, like, kind of seen it, but I've heard from a lot of old-timers, this is more bear hunting than anything, doing drives for bears. Like, the bears will run out, like, you know, 40, 50, 60, especially if it's thick, 60 yards ahead of everybody. And just stop and listen and see where the big gaps were between the sound. And it's like they just like they just aim for that, and they just like low on their bellies and just go straight back through everybody, and nobody ever sees them until somebody, like you said, like the flanker on the backside, or you know somebody's in the back just watching. Uh, it's like oh, mm-hmm. like there's bears coming through. I'm seeing bears. How's this happening? And you know, like dude, I'm 40 yards from a guy. I have no idea, but you can't see the other guy, so you know you you really don't know what's doing that. Right. That's we. I hunt with some guys who like to you know they're bringing. With they're whistling or they're yelling, <laughs> yeah. you know, hey, yeah. or they're, you know, I will tell you, like, when, when, like, my brother and I, like, if we're put on a drive or whatever, like, we still hunt through the woods and, like, we just make sure that we're in sight. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see your orange, you see my orange. And then, you know, it also comes down to the guys you're hunting with at your posters, right? Yeah. Them guys need to be the most mindful guys that, for sure that, that, that you have. And, you know, they, they need to know that, you know, this is the shot they take. You know, not this shot. Mm-hmm. You know, they take this shot and they know where the other guy is. And, yeah. You know, there's safe ways to do this. There is. Um, there is. But you know, I have shot a lot of deer, being quiet, and <laughs> I have a lot of guys are like, "Oh, why are you yelling?" I'm like, "Because you just pushed three deer right in front of me, and they ran that way. Why did you scare them?" When I yell at them like an idiot, and I think like <laughs> yeah, that's gonna make the them woods. turn. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna make them turn and run. Like, come on, man. But yeah, every, to each is their own, and. Uh, I enjoy rifle hunting, and I I enjoy the camaraderie that comes with with the rifle. Same, hunting. you know, same. that's the biggest thing. You get everybody. You know, we pushed a deer out, and I shot it. Well, the group feels like we, you know, we killed that deer yeah, together. Exactly. Right. It's like a group thing. It's a group effort, and it's it's a lot of fun. You know, and as, as 
me being a Pennsylvania heel jack mother, that's <laughs> to me, that's a lot of fun. That's what I enjoy doing. And I, I enjoy the whole process. Let's drag it out together. You know, maybe we get to drink some beer while we're skinning it later and, and butchering it down later or whatever. For sure. To me, that's 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 why I do this shit. This is what I like and this is what I enjoy. But um, you know, the bow season is a lot different and uh you said you like shooting your bow a lot. You know, what what are some things that you do you practice like that maybe help you in a tree stand or on the ground hunting deer that you think may help you other than just pull back, press the release and shoot? Uh, I, so I like to, I, I mean, I shoot a lot, so I'm like kind of always on per se, you know, I'm not taking any large breaks, but what's, I always like doing and an older gentleman told me this is like, just go out one shot, pick a distance, range it if you have to, if you're trying to like learn how to judge distance, you know, see, okay, it's 27 yards. One shot, go out while you're cold and shoot and just see how it, how it feels. Cause anybody can, you know, stack them in there after you've shot 20, 30 arrows, but you don't have that opportunity when you're in a tree stand. Um, a, a buddy of mine does this where like he draws his bow for 10 seconds, like just from the time he puts his, uh, release on a D loop to he's anchored is 10 seconds, like kind of simulating a doe standing there just staring at you. One of those kind of deals. So I'll do that every now and then. Um, you know, if you want to work out, do some push ups, then shoot, like just kind of make it so you're just uncomfortable. Everybody can shoot a bow good when they're comfortable, but how often are you comfortable in a tree stand? Never. Like you're never, you're never, per, you know, your, your, your feet are perfectly shoulder width and you know, you're bending at the hips. Like, no, that stuff never happens. So yeah, I mean, and just shooting out a tree stand, if you can hang a tree stand in your house and just shoot, um, I don't think it gets any better than that, but just the cold shots for me is, is the most important, I would yeah. say. I, I agree with that. Uh, a while ago, um, I, I have talked about this plenty of times, but I, I, for whatever reason or another, I have missed and, and or wounded some very large deer i mean very very large deer and um it's unfortunate but i i've learned i've learned and i i have i've learned a different mindset from everything and i was talking to a guy one time and you know he said listen he said before you go in the woods before you go in the woods you need you should be making a shot mm -hmm. because you might sit in the woods for three three weeks and not have shot your bow one time because you're putting so much time in you mm -hmm. know and then it's dark and it's dark at dark, you know, and you're getting home from work and then you're in a rush and you're running in the woods. He said, you know, put a little target in the back of your truck if you're going to be mobile. Get out, pull your bow back five yards away, 20 yards away, whatever the hell you have to be able to set up. Pull that bow back, anchor down, breathe, shoot, and then go in the woods. Mm -hmm. And I I have been trying to do that and, and think that that has definitely helped me with, you know, the mental psyche of everything and all that. And then, you know, the other thing is like some guys you can follow, like Cameron Haynes or the guys that are in, in you know, the, the run and gun type, mm -hmm. um, like elk hunters, you know, like backcountry elk hunters that are on the move and they're on the ground and they're, they're ground and pound kind of thing is like they're, you know, get your, get your blood pumping, breathe heavy, you know, get your bow back, just like you would if you had a, a big buck come in, you know, because mm -hmm. we all know how that is. Oh, it's and, a nightmare. And especially like. If you need a follow-up shot, you know, like say you missed and a deer didn't move and now your adrenaline's like, you know, if, if it starts to escape your body and you, you get that, like, I know there's times where I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> you just shoot violently. You're man. just like, starting to question gotta, like, am I okay? Or <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I can, re you know, especially when it's cold, you know, when it's really oh, that's cold the worst. And, and, yeah. and you, I can remember grabbing the bottom of a tree stand and there ain't no loose bolts on it. And I'm shaking <laughs> bolts loose out of the freaking thing, you know? And uh, I mean that's why we do it. That's this is this is why we get so excited, and that's why we're even sitting here talking. About Absolutely. It, 
You can't uh, mimic that. I mean, you can you could do your best, like you said, like the guys like Cam Haynes and stuff, getting your heart rate up. Honestly, the best thing I've seen, and that I mean, that's good because it's it's something that you can easily do in your backyard, just get your heart rate up and shoot. Shooting in, t- in tournaments or competitions, that's the only time I've ever put myself in a position where it's like you have that adrenaline rush, and when there's you know people watching you, there's money on the line, whatever the case may be, shooting in those tournaments and um, um, getting that adrenaline. Yeah, just like I shot at the sports show. That's uh, just just doing that, like consistently trying to get in these like different tournaments where you have to put like there's something on the line for you. You're not just shooting with friends at a at a league night when you're drinking, having fun. Like no, there's got to be like it's got to be serious. And if you're not a serious person, then that obviously that, that probably won't work for you. But if you want to win and like you like that's a very good way to get your that just adrenaline. Your brain starts doing things you don't want it to do. You know, mm-hmm. I shoot a hinge release, which helps me a lot in the woods. Like I'll switch over to a thumb before we hunt like before hunting season, but like. Everybody, like, when I'll get into that, uh, like, when you know you can win, you're sh- you get back at full draw, and all you want to do is just punch that release, punch that release. And, it, like, I didn't start doing really well and start winning until, I like, you just let the pin float, calm down, work through your release, right? And now, fast forward to October, it's the same thing. Draw your bow back. Okay, like, if I want to shoot this, if I want to kill this deer, regardless of what it is, doe, buck, whatever, raccoon, I don't care, just... Let the pin float. Just relax. Just keep, keep, and you know, some. I know some guys right on the riser. Relax. Think through. You know, pull whatever you got. Whatever those trigger words are for you. You know, trying to figure that stuff out now. So when you're, you know, you're in October, like you said, you know, you're three weeks in, four weeks in October, and you haven't shot your bow since you know that last week of September. You can, you can, you know, you can put your, put yourself in some trouble there. Especially like, yeah. I, I don't know anybody who paper tunes their bow in the first week of November. Right, like we go through all of October, beating our bows up, you know, pulling them up trees. They, you know, hitting the ground. They're falling. You're going through brush, turning back your truck, flying around. Like nobody, nobody shoots through paper in in November. And that's I think that's another thing too that people like. And this goes back on what you were saying, which is you know, shoot and take a shot every day. You know, throw a broadhead on there, shoot, throw your uh, field tip on there if you don't have the opportunity to uh, to uh, paper tune and just see where they hit. If they're off, then you know, you know, you bumped your rest a little bit. Yeah, you make a great point, and I want to make that point for gun hunters too, mm-hmm. because boy, I I'm telling you, man, it's one of my best my 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 biggest pet peeves is whenever I'm talking to somebody and I'm like, you know, oh yeah, you know, well yeah, that gun's definitely on. You know, we just shot it here about two weeks ago. I haven't shot this gun in four years, <sighs> dude. Get your get the hell out of here. I hate man. that. What? Boy, does that make me mad. Yeah, I I think that that's the most unethical shit I've ever heard. Like. It is. How, How hard is it you, to go shoot? One shot. All you got to do is shoot one shot. How could you go after an animal that you know you may wound because of your negligence? Mm-hmm. That just irks me the wrong yeah. way. A large portion of where we live is does that, unfortunately. Yes, I'm well aware. <laughs> and it's the same here. Yeah. It's same here. Um, you know, uh, 16 uh, shells falling out of this dude's big orange jacket and <laughs> He still smells like uh, bird dog or bird dog whiskey. Oh, or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, um, you know, uh, <laughs> some freaking homemade wine, some hooch some dude down the road made or whatever. And, like, I ain't dog in deer camp because that's cool. But, like, you know who I'm talking about, that that guy. Oh, for sure. You know, I don't say 30-odd sick. No, it has to be a 30-30, actually. It, it actually has to be a 30 oh, My dad will fight anybody who says that. A thirty thirty hasn't killed more deer in Pennsylvania. I hear that every year. Thirty thirty has killed more deer than any other gun in Pennsylvania. Like that, I get. Like, that's fine. 
cool. You win. Yeah. Don't care. <laughs> hey, I finally one year I finally got my dad off a thirty thirty. I we went and uh, he we won a new gun and I hit. I was like, what caliber are you getting it in? I don't know what. I said, why don't you just get a two seventy? That's what I'm shooting anyway. You're on shells, throwing some at you. Okay. Ever since then, he's. 30-06-270 guy. He's, yep. Not that he dogs his 30-30. He don't dog it. He still talks and loves it and looks at it and stares at it and yep. does whatever else with it, but that's not what's killing the deer anymore. Once once he sees what kind of power you can you know, knock a deer down with, oh, with a yeah. high, uh, little higher caliber, it's it's hard to go back. I ran into a guy who was shooting 270, and he was running 150-grain bullets. And I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, isn't that kind of defeating the purpose of a 270? Like, generally speaking, you want a little bit of speed with, that, with the 270. Like, that's what you're going for. And uh, with that 150 grain bullet, you're slowing it down. But he shot a deer, a doe, good sized doe, probably two and a half year old, three and a half year old doe. And um, there was like, I get more bloodshot meat with a bow than he had with that gun. And then it all made sense. Like, he's a meat hunter. That's all he does. So he literally built that gun around just blowing a hole. There's not like, you don't have that crazy um, trauma. Trauma. Thank you. Yes. With uh, super fast bullets, like, you know, 243. Like, I've had to. Um, one of my buddies shot a, a, a doe with a 243, and like the front of the deer was useless. Yeah. So especially if you hit something before. You oh hit. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That... Yeah. See, that's why you know I I 243 shorts, great round. You know I do know like there's some youth guns that you're, you know are shooting a 223. Mm-hmm. I get that. I you know my my only gripe is like I've seen deer wounded with 243 in the gut. Mm-hmm. You know people have shot them in the gut, and I've tracked them for miles. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm not exaggerating miles. To whereas, you know, I've had youth hunters with a 7mm08 or a 270, um, you know, shoot a deer in the guts and they kill it and it's dead. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I'm not saying that 243 is a bad round by any means. It's killed a lot of deer and, and it's it's a good round. But I think the shot placement is a little bit more of a big deal with with the smaller caliber than it is. You know, obviously, if you have a 300 wind mag and you shoot a deer in the guts more than likely i don't think it's going to go very far yeah no i agree to um, each his own but like like you said the small like the smaller you get in those calibers like 25 uh 25 out six is a great caliber but still you're with that 25 yeah. caliber ball you know you're still kind of flirting with disaster there especially if you're yeah. in hunting thick you know thick stuff yeah you might want to shoot a 30 caliber that three like i love 308 like that's my go-to round it's light you yeah, can find it round. everywhere good speed good weight retention like yeah, I, I love it but nobody nobody yeah. do, nobody talks about it anymore. It's like Creedmoor, Winmag, Seven MM. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean they're they're like you said they're all for whitetail deer. You know, if we were talking elk, maybe we could narrow it down to like the best caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my one buddy; he's huge on guns, and he'll fight you to the death. He, you know, he's telling the two eighty is the gun. Does he shoot and just a, the Ackley Improver? Just two eighty. He makes his own. Oh, okay. He does his own he's thing. okay. So, um, yeah, he's not. You know, he's his own casing he's he's reloading all his own stuff so i couldn't tell you exactly what he's doing but he that's his thing like and he knows his weapons he says 280 that's and i i understand so take the 270 take the 308 take the 30 odd six probably have a baby that's create it that yep. round and and yeah so i can understand what he's saying that's an old timer around man i know a lot of older guys that shoot that 280 yeah or like uh what is it is 280 or remington a uh, seven millimeter express i think it is is the same yeah cartridge yeah that I'll tell you another old round that uh, one of my dad's buddies shoots is a, uh, it's just 300 Savage. Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> That's he thinks yep. this is like, and I'm, and he's always like, dude, I have such a hard time finding bullets. I'm like, well, why don't you just put that thing in a in a glass case and then, you know, we can get you into a 30-odd six or a 308 or something. And yeah. we'll come, we'll bring you in, we'll bring you into the future, Doc. <laughs> We're going back to the future. Come on, Marty. We know, we'll buy you this new gun. Right. But, 
Um, yeah, I don't, it's, it's all tradition, man. And that's as long as we're having fun and, and we're enjoying what we're doing and, and we're also being ethical, right? That's, yeah. That's, that's the, the biggest thing. I love the little, like the, like the, the, just the chat back and forth, like just bickering with each other. I love that, yeah. you know, arguing about what caliber is better. Who, like at the end of the day, who cares? Like, as long as you're killing deer, it's fun. So it's just fun to like, kind of get guys all fired up about it. Like I got a guy who's obsessed with weather bees. And I always just, the first thing I can is just make something up like, oh, Weatherby's, Weatherby's <laughs> trash. Like, I don't know how anybody would buy a Weatherby. And then he just goes off about, you know, how the their 300 Weatherby is the best round ever made. And, you know, it's yeah. 27 feet faster per second than, than the 300 yeah. when met. I always do that with the Creedmoor guys. I, yeah. just, I can't help myself. Because they're so passionate about it for whatever reason or another. And I'm like, oh, Creedmoor. Oh, no. They, they suck. Terrible. And it's like, oh, oh. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. like, listen, I'm just, I'm just playing, man. I don't. I'm not that excited about it. Um, so you you you've been in the woods a good bit this this year though. Like, have you run into a lot of ticks? And then out in your area, like when you're hunting these other states and stuff too, do you guys have any chiggers? So, no, I've never had any chigger incidents. I've heard about it, and it's in the back of my head. Delaware is one of the ones I'm worried about because it's so hot. Yeah. yeah, never had a problem. I can tell you they're there. Uh, <laughs> I believe I've heard it from guys. I like some locals too. Like, I run permethrin on everything. Like, I absolutely, I I'll probably go through two hundred dollars worth of permethrin a year Um, sawyer yeah okay Uh, hey sawyer um we take a sponsorship yeah (laughs) please please do i'll take one bottle i don't care um for sure so yeah i i got lyme's disease a while ago so like i kind of like really make sure that i don't get bit again and make it 10 times worse than it already is uh so what so what did um what did that look like for you how did how did that um go down so like how i got it yeah, so how do you, I mean, you know, obviously you got bitten by a tick, but like, you know, you were in the woods, there was it on you, do you know how long it was on you? No, no, you know, so I don't the... even, I, I don't remember the tick being on me ever, I actually ended up getting really sick at work when I was like 21, roughly, and uh, I got tested for a bunch of shit, nothing, you know, negative, 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 and I ended up, mm-hmm. uh, the guy that I work with was like, you should, his wife just tested positive for Lyme, and he's like, it's, you know, you're, you're kind of very similar into what you're feeling, so I talked to his doctor, which or her doctor, and uh, he sent me through a bunch of tests, and they like he's like, listen, dude, you got to go to the ER like now, like you're bad. Let's get to the point where it's really bad. So he, they think I got bit twice, like infected twice, and the second time was right around when I turned 21, 2021. Um, there's a couple of like I had one in my ribs that my cousin cut out, probably not the best you know idea. Um, and then I had uh, one like on my hip that I just pulled off when I was a kid, but I was always in the woods. So, like you uh-huh. always had ticks on you, like you know you're pulling them off, and so I can't really say like what tick. I never had a bullseye anywhere, none of that stuff. Um, just all of a sudden, I just started getting really fatigued. And then it was like, I just turned 21, so you're like, okay, maybe I'm just ran down because I'm going out to the bars, you know, doing all that stuff. You're, right, you're howling at 21, the moon yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, go to work at 5 o'clock, working in a fab shop. Like, that's probably not the smartest idea in the world. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I stopped all that, and it just got worse and worse, like crazy headaches, crazy joint pain. I was like, what? Like, what is going on here? And... Um, like straight like i would get like my body would just cramp up randomly and uh he he sent me to the hospital and and just overdosed me with um um yeah doxycycline and amoxicillin Mm -hmm. and um those two together it was killing it faster than my body could get rid of it so like poisoned me pretty much Mm -hmm. and i missed work i got pretty bad i missed work for like eight nine months i was out like slept slept for 20 hours a day they put me on this super strict diet where i can like only eat greens, like organic greens, uh, no meats, yeah. no nothing, none of that stuff. 
Um, they were just trying to flush my system at that point in time. Like they didn't want any other chemicals in there, like no sugar. I was taking a tablespoon of um, honey a day just to get sugar in me, so I didn't like start to shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after two weeks of that, the, actually the doctor found out I hunted, and he's like, "Oh, you can have deer meat." He's like, "That's that's good. That's good." So I was like, "Oh, thank God." Um, and then it's like slowly started phasing in. Like I could, you know, do fish. Fish was bad because you can't really get clean fish from anywhere anymore. Um, but he's like, just, you know, moderate, just keep it moderate. And I was like, okay. So I, I ate a lot of deer meat that year. And thankfully, I, you know, I had, had it in the freezer at the time, but you know, eventually I got, you know, after about a year, I was back to like my normal self, but I lost like 50 pounds, um, 40, 50 pounds. And, uh, which, I mean, I could afford to lose at the time. (laughs) So it kind of, kind of helped out if you look at like a positive somewhere, but, but yeah, so now like I got to watch flare ups with sugar. If I eat too much like sugary stuff, if I drink too much beer, um, or out just alcohol in general, so it thrives on that. I had, I had to leave my job because uh, heavy metal toxins in like really hot environments it'll flare up. So I had to you know get a new job. I was working in a metal shop, you know, the burn metal and grinding and oh, welding shit. and all that stuff. So I, yeah, I couldn't do that anymore. Man, I, I never heard that before. I, so so you don't drink anymore, I assume. No, I do. I like I won't. Oh, okay. I just don't do like the benders anymore. Like I'll have a couple of beers here and there with buddies. Like every now and then, like I switch to bourbon. And uh, what I like about that is it's like 100, you know, 100 proof, 110 proof. So it gets the gets you to the where you need to be quick. Yeah. So so it's not too bad. But I can feel like if I, you know, if I drink two times in a week or something like that, like I'll start like I'll, I'll wake up and I'm like, oh, man, I don't feel great. Like I don't feel good at all. Not and that's not from the alcohol. It's just like my body hurts and I'm just exhausted. Mm-hmm. Like just exhausted to the point where it's like you haven't slept in like three days. That's what it feels like. Damn. Yeah, man, that's you know, I unfortunately that's why i asked that question because i've unfortunately run into a good amount of people who have been subdued to lyme disease and it's it's something i don't think like us hunters talk about too much and and dude i've had you know as far as ticks in me good god i a lot yeah i don't <laughs> like I, I mean you know what i mean i i usually catch them quick at least I think I do, mm-hmm. you know, I, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm usually able to just grab them and pull them right out, mm-hmm. you know, without pliers or like a tornado tick twister or whatever to, you know, whatever they, they call them type things. But, you know, I have actually had them. I had one one time and it's kind of gross story, but I'm, I'll be quick about it. I, I thought it was a pimple on my back and I had my dad look at it. I said, Hey, I said, hey, get this. Can you help me with this pimple? Like I can feel it and it's sore, super sore. And he looks at me and he's like, Oh, uh-oh. problem i said what and he's like you got a tick in there and i'm like oh I'll just pull it out and he's like no it's the ticks under your skin and i'm like excuse me and he's like it's under i'm like cut it out cut it, the fuck. Yeah, cut it out get right it now. out cut it out and he's like oh, i don't so my mom's a nurse and you know he got the equipment <laughs> out <and laughs> she wasn't home and of course we we're drinking watching football and um yeah, it's not in there no more, but I have a little bit of a scar. <laughs> and uh, I did get tested for Lyme after that because I was worried. And, uh, no, I was good to go. But I would tell everyone, um, so there is, and I want to promote this, uh, PA Tick. Hold on, I want to look this up real quick because I want to get this right. They do uh, free testing. Um, let me see here. Okay, PA Tick Research Lab. Uh, the PA Tick Research Lab. Uh, they can analyze your tick, test tick for uh, d- diseases such as Lyme disease and everything. Uh, they go by wildlife DNA at esu.edu or ticklab.org. They will 
do free Lyme's test, uh, Lyme's disease <laughs> testing. I didn't because know I know that uh, Lyme's disease testing is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like three or $400 if you don't have insurance or if your insurance doesn't cover it. Mm-hmm. So just to put that information out there for everybody, there is free, and that's, that's Pennsylvania. I don't know if you need to be a resident or not, um, but this is a resident podcast. So yeah. therefore, um, if you are and you're listening and you want to get tested, maybe you're just sitting there right now and you're thinking, man, I haven't felt right in two years. Well, I mean, hey, you know, just get hurt. tested, yeah. It wouldn't hurt to get tested. And if just keep in mind, too, if you test negative, it doesn't mean that you don't have it. Because I tested negative twice uh, before I tested positive for it. Wow. That's great to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not not to scare anybody, but, you know, that's just – it's realistic. When I when I first started going through that, this was – that was like 12 years ago. Uh, like, Lyme disease didn't exist. Like, they like people, they, like, failed to – they refused to accept the fact that Lyme disease was a thing. And actually, believe it or not, the doctor who was treating me was a neurologist, and he got mm-hmm. f- fired. Like, f- he had to resign. We'll just say, um, and he moved out to California to start a Lyme. Um, I don't even know, like, group, I guess, um, because he was treating people for Lyme disease in PA, and they were getting better. And it's cheap. Like, doxycycline's cheap. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, he easily could have got me on some other crazy shit. Like my, how, how it all started was my, um, and I forget the disease that she had, but my coworker's wife had a disease and they were treating her for that and it wasn't getting any better. And then he started, and I'm, we're talking thousands of dollars worth of medication. I can't remember the name. It's a, it's a very, very bad disease. We're like, um, God damn it. Anyway, regardless, it's, if you, once you get it, like you're going downhill and you're, it's pretty much, it's going to cost you your life. You're going to be in a wheelchair your whole life. Start treating her for Lyme disease, and she was like a normal person in like five, six, six months. Like it, it just completely changed her. Um, and then you know it started. There, there was like all this shit going around with him and stuff like that that he was, you know, malpracticing or whatever you want to call it. And he ended up leaving mm-hmm. PA and going to Cali to start his own thing and just focus 100 percent on Lyme disease. Yeah, that's why you see a lot of people moving towards holistic approaches for a lot of different things there too, mm-hmm. because. I mean, I'm not dogging the system, but at the same time, like, let's face it, like, if there's money to be made, mm-hmm. they're going to make money. Absolutely. I mean, if your health is coming in at expense to that, yeah, it'll, who are you Who who are you to them? Oh, they you don't care. I mean? It opened my eyes as a younger guy, like, like wow, like, the doctors, everybody go to the doctor, go to the doctor, like, mm, not, I mean, yes, you have to in some scenarios, but um, don't trust, get second opinions, get third opinions. Don't trust everything. Like he gave me a specific, like specific uh, things to say when I came in there, because they would have never let me in if I just said I thought I had Lyme's disease. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> he improved your odds greatly just by talking to him. Yeah, and I appreciate. I like. I appreciate that dude forever because it changed. I was going downhill fast, um, yeah. and I probably who knows if I ever would have figured it out. That's scary, man. It is, but. You know, moving moving on into segueing some um, some gear is what something I want to go over real quick. Um, so I know you sh- you know you're shooting all the time. Mm-hmm. If you had to give me, let's do three or even five of your biggest pieces of equipment that you think like, hey, this this is what I need right here. Like this this is really what helps me get by get through or or get me a deer killed what would they be uh first one's bino harness with binos 
Um, okay. Like a chest harness? Yeah, a chest harness. Uh, I love that. There's so much so you like can do a, with it. So like a pack or like uh, elastic? Uh, no, like the pack. Like the one that you can flip over. I like the elastic ones, but I hate them at the same time because you're always getting shit in your binos. Um, especially if it's raining. It's, it just I, I like being able to cover it and then like I run the Kuyu one where it has like a bottom piece where I put like my phone or my wallet, my keys. So like all that stuff right there, um, that that's like that's a main one. Um, man, I'm pretty like I, the the more years I hunt, the less and less and less shit I bring. I'm I'm the same man. I try to be as minimalistic. Like like you were saying that pack. Mm-hmm. If I can get everything I need into that damn little pack, mm-hmm. that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, and that's all same. I want to take. I, same. I want my knife. I want my grunt call. I might take a bleak can. Um, and I've even tried to move towards more using like a. Like a, a grunt slash bleat. Okay. Um, both, and then making my own noises, which I can, but I will tell you, like, as old and as dumb as it may sound, like, but the the, the bleat can has been tried and true for me for a long time. <laughs> I've killed a lot of deer. I've turned a lot of bucks around and walked them right back to me with that damn little freaking. It always reminds me of the little kids' toys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? You see that Every video going around it. of that dude squeezing the pig, the dog toy, and it sounds exactly like a grunt. I'll have to send it no, to you. It's I, on Instagram. I know, which, I know what toy you're probably talking about because my dog has one that always laughs. <laughs> yeah, he just slowly – it's on his knees, like slowly squeezing. It's hilarious. It's like one of them chicken ones, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. The, yeah. I got you. That's yeah, funny. I know what you're saying. Um, um, but you're, I'm, I'm right there with you with the minimalistic stuff, man. You know, um, What about a knife? Do you re- do you recommend like any certain knife since you don't carry a lot of different stuff? I just ha- – a Havilon knife is what I carry now. I used to okay. carry just – dude, I've got so many deer with just a, like a Kershaw, one of those ones that you put your finger on and flips it up. Auto, like it's like a uh-huh. semi-auto or whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah. Um, I've got so many deer with that. It doesn't even work anymore. Uh, but yeah, and then I switched over to a Havilon and it's like – there's nothing better in my opinion or something similar like that kind of that kind of that style of knife. So this might sound dumb, but I so I, I've tried to have a lawn. Um I think it's almost too sharp sometimes. Yes. Um, because so <clears throat> I don't know how you got deer. Now this is just me, right? I I will pull the deer towards me. I you know, I get my elbows on its rear legs, so I'm on the inside. Think think of my elbows on the tarsal glands, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'll I'll split the pelvis down the back and then go up under there and just get the tip in there and run it up through, you know, Mm -hmm. don't want to hit that gut until I get up to the ribs. I like to take two ribs. Now, if it's a buck I'm mounting, I'm not going to do that. But if, if I'm just getting a deer gutted, I'm going to take two ribs. So I'll get up tight against it, get locked in and, you know, one ugga-dugga, two ugga-duggas I can get, I can get, you know, into there. That way, when I reach my hand up in there and I grab the larynx, you know, and I want to cut the larynx off and bring the heart out with all larynx and the lungs and everything together. Mm-hmm. What I have found is if I don't, okay, the knife's right there. Now I can move the knife here, you know. Yeah. It's an easy way to, to nick. So I have mixed emotions about the Havilon because, yes, they're, <laughs> they're very, small. very sharp. Yeah. They're small, yeah. right? So there's not a lot of play in there. Now I use um, I use a Buck 110 folder. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. It's tried and true for me. I have been thinking about switching, but it's it's kind of like this sympathetic thing. I've had it for so long, you know. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. I have been thinking about do going like uh, um, to a Benchmade or going to Spiderco uh, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, on my my uncle and my path both have Cutco hunting knife. It's called the hunting knife. Okay. And um, they're great. I 
no gripe against them. I like using their knives. Every time I, my pap shoots one or whatever, if I'm helping them, I like using his knife. But, right. Um, no, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just thinking of a couple other things. Like, cause I try to be as minimalistic as you. I would say for me, like that, if it's hard to part with that can, I don't usually leave. <laughs> I would rather have that can on me than a grunt call personally. Yeah. I don't just, carry either. I don't carry a grunt tube. I don't carry anything, man. No sense, no sounds. I try to be like that ninja just in and out. And, and I'm sure, that. like, there's sometimes I'm like, God damn, I wish I had a grunt call. But A, I lose them all the time. I break them. They freeze. Like, it's just one of it seems like every time I grab it or I'm looking for it, I can't find it. It's called, it's, it right. makes noise. So I just, Maybe I got it. Bad, bad luck for you. It could be. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, I got, I mean, I know a lot of guys that do it, that run them. And I, like, I don't have anything negative to say about it, but I just, I just personally I've don't. Seen I've seen guys do a lot of different things, and um, one thing I think I'm going to try this year, uh, moving through the woods when it's loud, is I think I'm going to take my turkey call, and I think I'm just going to, like, cluck and purr. Yeah. Just just making a little bit of noise. And I've seen, like, I know, like, the hunting public guys really push that. They do it. Um, there's some other guys I talk to that do it, and I, you know, you hate, when you're walking through the woods and the leaves are, like, every time you step down, it's so like somebody's bad. yelling, I'm here! Yeah. I'm here! So you bad. know, Especially get that early and, frost. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. It's the best whenever you're sitting and waiting. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> you hear everything. It is. But you think about it, and you're like, that was me walking in. You know? <laughs> For sure. For sure. Man, yeah. getting back to your original, I don't I don't want to stray too far off. I know, because it sounds like we can just start going, and just next thing you know, we, we totally free. See, you're good with this, because when we, on the podcast, like, that's our biggest complaint is the fact that, like, we'll start talking about something, and then two hours later, like, we're so far away from the original conversation. <laughs> Um, but hey, that's just who we are at this point in time. Yeah, <laughs> We're just I know. not, not going to fight it. It's difficult for sure. Um, yeah, man. So like I could probably just list off what I bring cause that's going to be the five. It's the bino harness. Right. Um, right. if you're, if you're somebody who's not good at, uh, like, uh, depth, like, um, yardaging, which is me, I'm terrible with trying to ju- like field judge. Um, obviously having that range finder, which is that goes into that pack. Um, okay. I always have to have water. I get headaches really bad. I don't know if that's like from the limes or something like that, but so I always just have water, like some kind of hydration. So mm-hmm. knife, bino harness with the stuff with you know that you would normally have in a bino harness. Um, water, and then I just have like a little kill kit with like some zip ties, um, mm-hmm. black tape, like electrical tape. Um, what do you What do you have the electrical tape for? Just you know, I don't even know. Just, just to hold just, shit together if I need it for whatever reason. I've never used it. It's just always been in there. Um, mm-hmm. I'll have a lighter in there just in case you know burning ticks off shit like that. Um, mm-hmm. And really, else than that, that's like I'll have rubber gloves, like just like you know nitrile gloves. Um, other than that, that's pretty much it. I'm pretty. I don't um, going back to the knife thing a little bit too. I don't split the pelvis or anything like that. Uh, I just go like from rib. To about as to the start of the pelvis, and I got depending on how the shot is. I don't sometimes I don't even remove anything from above the diaphragm. I only take the guts out, um, and then onwards we go. But I can do everything at my house, so it makes it a lot easier that I have you know the amenities to 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 do that. And um, you know my family was all in the butchers, and and as a young kid I was always in the butcher shops locally uh, for deer Mm -hmm. specifically. And uh, a lot of guys would like split the pelvis and stuff, and you know, they would come in. They just it would be a disaster because there's just dirt everywhere. I like the like as minimal cuts as possible because it keeps everything clean, and then I can cut it the way I want. I'm I'm pretty specific on how I like to cut deer and you know all that stuff just because yep. I've been doing it for so many years. Um, 
So that's another reason why the Havilon works great for me because it's literally like I'm only making an incision, like a 20 inch incision, and then a couple like cuts are along where that's on the you know back by the loins, and I'm done. Like I'm I'm in and out. I'll tie like the the if there's a piss sack, I'll just pinch that off, cut it, throw it, um, and that's pretty much it. Take care of the rest when I get home. Have you ever? You know, one thing that my dad taught us to do, and I still do it to this day, is I'll I'll hang the the, the dick and the nuts up in a tree. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, that? yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's funny. Yep, for that's sure. That's funny, man. Yeah, that's you know, I I'll never forget him teaching me that, and I still practice that. I can't wait one day. Like I just have daughters, but I would love to take them out and be like, hey, you know, this is how you do it. This is exactly <laughs> how. You, have you ever seen you that walk through the woods like from somebody else? Yeah. Have you? I've, I don't yeah. think I ever have. <clears throat> Yes, I have. I have. And the other thing was, you know, when I shot my first deer, my dad's like, well, you got to take a bite of the heart. Oh, yeah. Yep. Same. You know, and that's, I we've all done it. Like all my cousins and, you know, my, my brother and, and all of them. And I, I can remember um, this one kid went hunting with my brother and I and he shot a deer. And like it was, he's an older at this point. I think he'd probably been 23, 24. And we're like, oh, you got to take a bite of the heart. And he's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> excuse, excuse me, you know. But I remember like, him doing it and being like uh oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's <laughs> it hilarious. was just funny it was funny <laughs> but i remember um you know like the war paint you know i can remember doing that to my cousins and stuff like that and those are like those core memories that you just don't ever forget you know Absolutely. that kind of shit and you know that's why we do what we do and and i love it man i can't get enough of it but i know um moving on a little bit that you you were talking about like you're you're really you know, you're really passionate about like what certain cuts you make on a deer and stuff. And I know that you did a, that episode with uh, Gunner too. Yeah. And him and I had a similar conversation too about that. And uh, so when, when you do get a deer, cause I butcher my own deer, it sounds like you butcher your own deer. Mm-hmm. Um, for <laughs> anybody listening who doesn't, and I don't want to hurt the butcher shops, but you should at least try uh, it, it is what I would tell you. And if you want any pointers, like, I would be happy to tell you how I do it. Yeah. Not that that's the right way or the wrong way, but, um, what what are you know what's your process whenever you do bring in a game do you do you let it hang where do you let it hang um is there a certain amount of time you let it hang and then uh like what are what are some of the cuts you get do you do like all burger from the hindquarters down take some steaks from the hindquarters maybe butterfly your loins like what's your process so honestly it depends on the time of the year and what my freezer looks like as far as what i want um early season i'm just getting the deer putting them on ice uh, get just getting that meat as cold as fast as possible, and then I'm butchering it right there, like within you know that day or the next day, something like that. Okay. Uh, if it's you know if it's going to be cold, uh, cool enough outside, let's just say you know that you know beginning of November where you get like you know 20s at night, and then you're in the 50s during the day. If mm-hmm. it, I apologize for that. Um, if it's if it's um, gonna stay like that i don't like to get above 60 i'll let it hang in my shed for a couple of days like a week at the most if it's gonna be really cold uh i'll leave the hide on and then i'll let it i mean i'll let it hang for two three weeks doesn't matter um i did that once with the hide off and i just lost so much meat that i was like you know what and then i just started doing it with the hide on and it's so much better it takes a lot longer to skin it out but um you lose a lot less meat from you know from drying out and stuff uh so yeah so that's like based off the season kind of what i do and then like i said it just really all depends on what i have if i need burger i mean i'll do i'll do front shoulders i'll do everything burger um Mm -hmm. i'm a big roast guy i don't really do a lot of burger you know if i need the burger i'll just go in and i'll I'll grab like a sirloin or something like that and just grind it and um so i part everything out and leave it whole 
like my back straps are whole. Um, I'll I'll part out the hind quarters so you, you know you get bottom round, top round, eye round, um, your sirloin, and then all the okay. shanks I, I leave. We do a lot of like asabugo stuff, um, nice. or like brace shank, you know, pretty much something along that line with like a brace shank. Um, right. Uh, I I love like my necks. I keep all the necks whole, and I do roasts with the necks. We do the same thing. I love it. Like that's my favorite roast. You get like that long like stringed meat. I want to smoke one and do like a almost uh, like pulled pork, pretty much. Um, I want to do that with deer pretty soon. I have a neck still left in the freezer that I think I might do that with. Um, have you have you ever since you're a roast guy? Have you ever took a neck and then done it with sauerkraut, like kind of like our pork roast? Instead, you use a deer neck. No. But I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> so we put uh, kimchi in with it too. Okay. Like spicy kimchi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Ooh, what I'm talking about. Try that. I'm, you might have to send me the recipe. I'll try that for sure. That's my <laughs> yeah, bit. I do. I love trying new stuff for sure. Yeah. For sure. I, I was. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up with everything that I that I got. My dad's real. He's a mad scientist with this shit. Oh really? So everything that he uh, finds a success to, I definitely oh, keep. That's and, awesome. Yeah, that's um, but the the neck, man, that's highly overlooked. I know so many guys who is. don't want nothing to do with the neck, and for you guys that don't know, you know, you throw it in the roaster. If it's small enough, you get it in a crock pot, but you're able to reach in after so long and just pull the vertebrae out like this. And it's the you're best. Left with, it's the best. You're meat. left with the yeah. It, <laughs> it really hurts me really when people good. like fillet that out and grind it. Like it hurts me, man. It really does because mm-hmm. that's I pick all that the work over that, that goes in. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? And they have to cut down into the vertebrae, like... Oh, yeah. You're losing yeah. a lot of meat. I mean, I would prefer, like, if you tell me, like... And I know this is going to sound crazy, but um, I still have backstrap. Like, I have a lot of backstrap in my freezer, but I'm running low, like, on necks. I do a lot of shoulder roasts, too. Um, I don't even think I have any shoulders left, to be honest. Like, I would much rather have a shoulder roast than, like, mm-hmm. a backstrap on the grill. Yeah. Well, I mean, you call me crazy, but... I just I just love it, man. Like you put it in the crock pot with like port wine right. and just let and just reduce it with some, um, you know, uh, onions, you know, some jalapenos in there if your guy likes a little bit of heat. But uh, and then mm-hmm. do that. Sometimes I'll do like a blueberry reduction to mix in with that at the end, and then put that over like mashed potatoes. It's nice. like phenomenal. I'll do like I I like for whatever reason blueberries and deer meat go together great. So I'll do like a blueberry reduction over. Um, like I just actually just made it the other day. I smoked a a loin, the last piece of loin I had. And uh, smoked it for like an hour, then seared it, and then put like drizzled a blueberry reduction over top of it, and just served it with like uh, smoked asparagus. <laughs> like you can't beat it. But I would definitely pick the shoulder roast over the the back strap. I never, I have never in my life heard or have tried to do any type of blueberry cooking with deer meat. It's great, man. Just get like literally, just go get a pint of blueberry uh, blueberries. Um, and you know, you can reduce down a little bit of, um, Worcestershire sauce, um, mm-hmm. and port wine, mm-hmm. or if you can get like blueberry wine, you can do that too. It's, it's, uh, you know, and just let and just cook that down and then mm-hmm. you can add salt depending on how you like your stuff. But, um, some people straight out the blueberries. I like leaving them like kind of whole and like kind of mashing them. So it kind of just gives gotcha. like that depth of flavor, um, you know, and texture. What I ought to. What I think that I'm going to try to do with that then is the next time that we make sausage, I think that I want to use a blueberry wine. Oh, uh, yeah, very much so. Yeah. I'm sure and that would be delicious. Like that, yeah, like a good breakfast sausage. Yeah, that would probably be really good. <laughs> that would, <laughs> See, now you got my mind. You got my mind. See, and this going, is like so. the best thing because like I'll say one thing and then you're like, oh, shit, like what? Like, try that. And like, now I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's a good idea. 
<laughs> yeah, man, you got you got you definitely got my ticker going. And I, <laughs> I I can think of I can think of a couple of different things. That's dude, that's what this is all about, man. Uh, being able to trade recipes like that and and thinking of different things to do with deer meat because, you know, let's face it, most guys probably think that just cooking a deer steak is, oh yeah, I shot a deer, I cook a deer steak, and that's. But there's there's a lot there's a lot yeah. more that you can be doing with your deer meat, and that's like Absolutely. I'm always looking for different things to do with my burger because I do get a good amount of burger, and um, you know, just doing the hamburger, the meatloaf, the stuffed peppers, the spaghetti, and the tacos. Yeah, you run out of there, stuff. There's, you do. Yeah. You start to run out of stuff, you know. So what I usually do is get like three pounds out. You know, this start with spaghetti or start with tacos, and then you know, hey, leftovers go into spaghetti or whatever, yep. or then. The spaghetti turns into chili, right? And um, you can keep it going like that, but it is fun to do like some more gourmet meals with this stuff. And you were saying like, I think I'm getting super low. She said, uh, my wife said the other day, I said, hey, get some deer steaks out. And she said, well, <laughs> deer steaks better hurry up. Because, right. <laughs> um, I'm like, shit, man, I really don't want to buy no beef. I will. I'm no I'm no stranger to, to eating beef and, and I enjoy it, but. Yeah, I, lo- I love beef, man. I, I, I love everything. I'm a garbage disposal. I'll pretty much eat anything. So there are some Dang. things that I'll cook that I like and, like, I know other people probably won't like. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. That's just, for me, it's... I'm definitely definitely excited to try some blueberry stuff, man. Yeah, I'll send you the um, recipe. For sure. All right, brother. Well, uh, we're running we're running a little long here. Um, I really appreciate this conversation, man. I, I, I'm excited to see where this season goes for both of us. And I... I will definitely have you back on to touch back in here, you know, later on. If you put one on the ground, maybe we'll get you on immediately and, and talk about uh, the experience you had and, and how it went down. Hell yeah, um, man. Before I go, though, man, you know, <coughs> Pennsylvania um, is, is a great state. I, I like it. I I think that we do a lot of things right. Um, I think we do a lot of things that we could do differently. Uh, is there anything that you want to touch on? that you think is is maybe one or the other good bad whatever that you think we can take a look at hmm you know what i i think no matter what i say is going to start a riot somewhere with some <laughs> group of individual um i really i think the antler restriction man has really benefited benefited us more than most people realize or most I, people will accept man, that was think that's the good on, thing i'll <clears throat> die on that hill i will die on that hill and and I talked about this before. I was raised on the other side of the spectrum. So was I. When 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 they did that, my family, it mm-hmm. was bad. It I was can't bad. shoot a spike. Who can tell me I can't shoot a spike? Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What was done there? Boy, I still can't believe he was able to to, to do that. Yeah. To make that happen. It's crazy. Like, the death threats and stuff that that man probably received when that went down, like. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that that's what happened, but the whitetail. I mean, you know how passionate the whitetail hunters are. It is like I get like uh, change is bad. Like that whole crew, the change is bad crew. I mean, a lot of them are the same that don't like the Saturday opener and don't like hunting on Sundays. I mean, I, that's something. I, like the first, if I could change anything, it would be Sundays. Like just give us Sundays. I'm, I'm, right. Yeah. We're we're beating a dead horse. I feel like by the, at this point. Yeah. Right, I, would I, you do two do buck? It. Would you ever make this a two buck state? I would do earn a buck. That's what I. Yeah. What and what would it? To earn, what would you need to do? At least two does, yeah. Two does, okay. Yeah, yeah. It would have to be earn a buck. Could probably only be for certain counties though, because, um, you know, we we do have certain WMAs that, yeah. I don't think I don't think it would be real good to go in and kill two two mm-hmm. bucks. 
um, because of the hunting numbers. But at the same time, you know, Allegheny County, um, uh, what, what county is uh, uh, Philadelphia? Um, Lehigh County? Not Lee. I don't think Philadelphia is Lehigh. I think it's um, or, Montgomery. Might maybe? be. Somebody's Something screaming like at us right now, going, "It's this!" Like, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I should for know because sure. it's not that far away from me. But I, um, I know, I'm terrible. Well, Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh, <clears throat> Allegheny County, and then um, I think it's I could be wrong, but I think it's Montgomery County's Philadelphia. It's in that area. Um, so those counties that have like the special seasons for a reason, because there is so many deer, they already have special seasons for sure. Earn a buck for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because I I will say that I have seen when I lived in Pittsburgh, very large bucks but like deformities and for whatever reason or another i don't know what that is what i do believe is there is a genetic mm-hmm. like I, I i i'm not the guy that's gonna say oh you know we have to shoot all the small bucks because they're the ones that breed and all that shit now like uh, there's a whole science behind that stuff and i don't have the time to get into that but yes i do believe that there is some bad genetics out there and i did see a lot of that like in the urban deer the urban population of deer that was there like yeah. a lot of like big six points that would like come straight up in the air without eye tines or like one side's muffed up and the other one's not and mm-hmm. sure that could be from car accidents or one or another but i've seen a lot of weird like palmations and stuff um so yeah i yeah i would get down with third and buck i think that that could work here and if it didn't work stop then it you just yeah. get you stop it you know you you have other states where the deer populations are so high I don't want to point out any states, but they are very liberal states. Jersey. This is going on. And <laughs> the deer populations are so high, and what the deer do is they'll eat they'll eat everything, and then they'll starve all the other deer. Yeah. And they'll die, too. And they, they will decimate. Have you seen, you might have in Pittsburgh, where, like, their hooves, they don't walk, so their hooves get curled, and then they have a hard time walking? Yeah, it's, yes, it's seen that sad too. to watch. Not man. in person, but I, I've seen yeah. I've seen the pictures and stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of like um like like sheep, you know, when exactly. they're growing into their head yep, and shit. Yep. Or uh like pigs, like people's pigs, you know, when they start getting the tusks and shit. Yep. Um yeah, that yes. So yeah, I'm I'm all for killing deer, man. I Same. Yeah, I, I the population of deer in my area is not like crazy. It's good. I can take you not far from where I live where it's really high. Um and and yes, like there are spots where yeah, I believe that there's more deer that need killed than than others, and I understand red tag. I'm not a guy that's against a red tag. I am <laughs> against farmers shooting deer in the guts and then they run and in woods in the dead yeah. right because they shot them in the guts. Um, unfortunately, that goes down a lot. I, I'm not going to say yeah. that I know people that do that. I just know of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a thing. If you guys want your deer killed, let's do it par- properly, right? We can feed people. You know, that's I, yeah, absolutely. Like I don't, I don't know if they've changed the rules, but I think the last I heard on the red tag, like you're not allowed to consume that meat. Like I don't think, I think you just shoot them. And, and I'm I like, really, I'd really, th- I really, I could be 100 percent wrong. Um, <laughs> I hope that's I am. The case that I'm not, I'm not a red. <laughs> I, what because... I think is like a lot of people just, you know, kind of look the other way or whatever because it's like, I mean, granted, you nature, like nature's going to use it in some way, shape, or form. But if we can yes. feed like our our vets or you know people that just need it at that point at at that point in time, why not? And it's cheaper, you know. We don't, then you don't got to worry about. I mean, you're giving them good meat. It's not crazy expensive to do it. Yeah. It seems like a win win win. But sometimes when things are win win wins, we seem to not do them as a society for whatever reason. Yeah, I yeah I really hope that that's not true. But I I will actually have to look into that. I'm gonna call my buddy. He's a game warden. I'm gonna ask. 
I hope but I'm wrong, man. Let, please let I me hope, know that I, I'm wrong. Uh, I will. I will. I will look into it here, and I will let you know. Um, but yeah, I, I think you hit it, the, the nail right on the head. I think it's something that, as a, you know, you can't deny it. We, mm. especially me and you, growing up, we watched both sides of it. I got to see both sides of it. You got to see both sides of it. Um, we, you know, we. I used to see thirty. 35 deer they were all does and mm-hmm. four or five spikes and a four point behind those deer you know the last deer that come through <laughs> yeah. and that moved on to you know six points there was a lot of six points and smaller eight points being shot to where now like i mean more than likely you shot an eight point or bigger you know and it seems like the genetic at least in my area is there's there's a lot of really really good eight points and there are 10 points mixed throughout but you do have some counties and I'm not going to name drop it. One of them begins with an A. That they're they're shooting 12 points. Giants. And it's pretty yeah. frequent, and they're killing some very large deer in that. And I has something to do with with a river, I believe, and and, yeah. and soil and near that river is. Is this a video? Really is this going to go out as a video podcast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll put it. On. I won't yep. show. I'm yep. not going to show it then. I'll show it after it's. Sorry, yeah, guys. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't don't make me edit anything. There's a pocket <laughs> by me that has you know. Very, very good deer. And I'll show you after it's done recording, I'll show you some of the sheds that I have from there. All right, brother. Well, I think uh, I think it's a good stopping point to wrap it up here. And then uh, we'll be able to touch back in with you here probably later in the year and just see what's up. And uh, do you have anything coming up uh, with Craving Wild that you want to you wanna get out there for everybody? Just Delaware, man. Um, we're going to slowly start putting out more. Like it's, Craving Wild started off as cooking-related. Uh, wild game cooking and um, so we got some stuff coming out slowly but surely um, editing video takes forever and you know just creating the video yeah. takes forever uh, so that yeah that stuff's going to slowly start trickling out more and more and more and then Delaware starts September 1st so we're going down two days before that and I don't know what that is it's like 40 something days I think we have before the season starts so that's the big the biggest thing is the the um, and then we'll be out in like western PA a little bit with uh, the velvet elk taking photos of that Nice. But yeah, Delaware is the main thing for us. Getting the season started and hitting it hard, and hopefully we can we can put one down. You'll have to get a hold of me when you come out. Um, you shouldn't be too far north of me. Whenever you're out here filming, it all depends on where you're at. But okay, I'll let you know. Yep, off air, sure. another off air conversation. <laughs> I hate doing that, but it's like you got you have to protect your spots, man. Yeah, you do. You do, unfortunately. But um, just tell everybody where they can find you and keep up with you, man, before you go. Uh, yeah, just uh, crave, it's craving.wild on Instagram. We have a Facebook. I hardly ever use it. 95% of our content is on uh, the uh, Instagram page. And then our podcast is pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. So after you get done listening to this, uh, head over and, and give us a – it's very similar. It sounds like our conversation we've had today. It's very, very similar. We do a lot of this yeah. kind of like same BS style um, um, interviews, so – Yep. Um, yep. That's I pretty agree. much it, man. I, I appreciate you coming on, brother, and uh, we'll catch up with you. Tight lines and good blood trails, man. Ladies and gentlemen, you have finished another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. Guys, it is that time of the year. I am getting freaking excited for archery season. It always feels like it's just knocking on the door, and I want to remind you, that if you are an archery hunter, you are obligated to make sure that your bow is at the optimal working conditions to make an a ethical shot at the animal. And I, I, I want to just press you for that because don't be that guy who decides that their crossbow is okay from last year. 
I have nothing against you running your crossbow or whatever. You're, you know, you want to shoot a recurve, your crossbow, a compound, a longbow. It doesn't matter. You know, we got to put reps in. So, I got that off my chest. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please comment, rate, subscribe, and I'll be back to you with the best content that I can gather. Also, I want to add one other thing. There's something large coming up here towards the end of July, maybe the first week of August. At least I believe it is. So, keep checking it out. It's coming. It's on the way. Thank you, guys.